Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. So let's get straight into our health talk then. Let me welcome onto the show Dr. Richard Lessels. Dr. Lessels, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to the listeners. Pleasure to talk to you as always. Um, firstly, w- when we take a look at where we are in terms of um, the COVID-19 pandemic right now, perhaps let's just begin by an overview of, of the country seemingly, at least parts of it, seemingly getting through um, what was the peak of uh, COVID-19, at least the third wave of the virus. Well, it's, it certainly seems that way when you when you look at the national p- picture, and, and particularly when you look at Hao Teng, which which, as you know, kind of um, was responsible for for a lot of the cases nationally in in the third wave. I think we still need to be a little bit cautious about what's happening in in some of the other provinces in in Western Cape, in KZN. I think it's still. Uh, we need to see what what happens to the cases over the next few days, couple of weeks. Um, so I think we're not we're not kind of definitively out of the woods yet mm. in terms of in terms of the third wave. The vaccination drive also seems to have picked up quite a bit. It does, and that's really that's really impressive and pleasing to see. I, I mean, I think as you know, we're now kind of getting to about quarter of a million vaccinations each day um, during the weekdays at least Um, and we hope that the vaccinations at the weekend are going to start picking up through August so that so that that kind of matches the the weekday numbers but that is I mean that has been impressive the way that has scaled up and and that's kind of at the level that the the president was asking for or, or close to it and it's kind of pretty much the the kind of average for for countries around the world of of what they've managed to to kind of do with their vaccination programs. So it is pleasing. Dr. Lessels, in the midst of this increasing number of vaccinations that are taking place, we still have many people that are skeptical about this vaccine and lots of different questions about, um, you know, this vaccine and whether it has any side effects and really the general questions that we have seen arise, particularly from those who, who are hesitant uh, about it. Uh, in as far as the communication is concerned, do you think enough has and is being done to actually uh, address some of the misinformation that is out there? Well, I think a lot is being done, but I think what you what you see, I mean, again, like like many things in this pandemic, we use this word unprecedented. I mean, it's unprecedented the kind of amount of uh, information that that is flowing around. COVID and around vaccinations, and unfortunately, at the same time as as the the kind of information with good intentions, there's also a lot of uh, misinformation and disinformation, and and that makes it very challenging, and and so uh, it makes it very challenging for people to to get the answers to their perfectly valid questions, and mm. and as you say. There's, there's many, many questions that people have, and I think we can always do better at finding ways to to address these questions. But I mean, you and your colleagues, I mean, is the best way to do it is to have regular 
kind of engagement, um, answering people's actual questions. And, and that's, we, we can only try our best to do it. And uh, like with everything, we can, I'm sure we can always do more. But um, yeah, I think, I think um, we just have to keep trying and keep going and, and, and keep addressing face to face the questions that people have. Okay, and we're going to do that in a moment. And for our listeners, you can get in touch with us on zero double one seven one four two double zero six. That's zero double one seven one four two double zero six on the WhatsApp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. And on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag there SFM Talking Point. So, Dr. Lessels, let me begin with this question. Then coming through from one of our listeners, can I take the jab? while I'm sick with flu? So, so that's a very good question. And, and the, the first thing to say is that, well, when you say when I have flu, um, what we need to uh, emphasize there is if you have flu-like symptoms, you should be to get a COVID test. Because as you know, um, particularly now with this Delta variant, it often presents with just the upper respiratory tract flu-like symptoms. So the kind of runny nose or blocked nose, um, the headache. And so if you have those symptoms, then you should be going for a COVID test first um, and then waiting for your symptoms to settle before you go for the, for the vaccination. So if you happen to get those symptoms, around the day that you're scheduled for your vaccination, better to go for a test, call the vaccination center and and get your your appointment rescheduled. If you turn out to have COVID, then what the recommendation we give at the moment is to wait for a month, wait for 30 days after, after you've recovered from your COVID and then have your vaccination at that point. So basically, people in the height of their flu-like symptoms should not be going to get vaccinated. They shouldn't, because it, it, we need to know if they have COVID, first of all. Mm. And we we don't want people with COVID or even with other respiratory virus infections kind of being in the vaccination sites, because then there's a risk that the virus can be transmitted at the vaccination site. So ideally, we want people um, to go for a test, find out if they have COVID or not. If the test negative and their symptoms settle in a day or two, then they can go and get the, vac- the vaccine then. That's, that's not a problem. And, if- and, and, and another question that I have here. Sorry, Dr. Lessels, was there something you wanted to add? I, I just wanted to say, okay. if, it, if it so happens that somebody does get vaccinated, and it turns out that they had COVID. So let's say they had some symptoms, but they kind of didn't think they were anything significant. So they went and got their vaccine. And then maybe a couple of days later, their symptoms are worse and they test positive for COVID. They shouldn't be worried about that. The, the vac- taking the vaccine at the time that they have the symptoms and the time they have the COVID won't cause them any harm. So, so shouldn't be kind of concerned if if that happens but the responsible thing to do if you have symptoms is to get the test first 
um, and and then go for your vaccine once you've either had a negative test or you've had a positive test and, and 30 days has elapsed. Okay. All right. Dr. Lessels, I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line. Plenty more calls and engagement in terms of uh, the questions that you are asking about the vaccines are concerned. For now, we're going to uh, take a quick break. Across South Africa, online and on radio, SAFM, let's talk. So let me take another question. We're in conversation with Dr. Richard Lessels. He is an infectious diseases specialist at the KwaZulu-Natal Research Innovation and Sequencing Platform. He's the one that's going to be taking your questions this morning, uh, questions that are related to COVID-19, specifically the vaccinations. Um, Dr. Lessels, I've got one question here. For people with diabetes, is it safe to take the jab? Safe to take the jab. And it's very important for people with diabetes to, to, to get vaccinated because, as, as you know, people with diabetes, if they get COVID, they're at particularly high risk of, of unfortunately getting very ill or, or dying from COVID. So it's one of the kind of uh, strongest risk factors for for death if, if you get COVID. So they should be at the front of the queue for the vaccine, really. Um, at, uh, and, and that doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're, whether you're uh, in the older age groups or the younger age groups. You should be uh, registering as soon as you can and, and mm. getting the vaccine. Mm. And there's, there's no, we don't have any evidence to suggest that the vaccination will upset the diabetes control or, or cause any um, different side effects. Uh, from from anyone else. So the, the the data we have shows that it's perfectly safe for for diabetics to to get vaccinated. Voyo in Bloemfontein is asking, what is it about the coronavirus that makes it possible to still get it despite being vaccinated? People don't get polio and chickenpox once they're vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, that's a really key question. And I think this is one that we haven't dealt with well from the from the beginning, maybe. Mm. I think the key thing is that these the, the vaccines that have been developed so far, these vaccines are designed to prevent the severe illness and to prevent death. So they're designed in a way to prevent the majority of people um, from getting the kind of severe COVID pneumonia um, that that has the kind of highest risk of death, mm. they 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 don't do so well at preventing infection and, and preventing infection of the upper respiratory tract. So by that we mean the kind of nose and throat and, and that area, and and that's just a factor of what these vaccinations, how they're designed and how they work. And so what we've seen as the virus has also evolved and, and these variants have developed, that has also affected how effective the vaccines are at preventing the infection. Mm. But it hasn't really affected how good they are at preventing severe disease and hospitalization and death. And what we see is that all these approved vaccines are still very effective against the Delta variant and and the other variants 
um, at preventing the severe end of the of the spectrum. They're not perfect, and no vaccine is a hundred percent effective. So, unfortunately, we we will still see people um, that get unwell after the vaccine, and we'll see some people that still die from COVID after getting the vaccine. Um, but that's the nature of respiratory viruses and, and vaccines. Nothing will be 100% effective. Mm. And let me go to Cindy in Middleburg. Cindy, good morning. Hello, Kathy. How are you? I'm all right. How are you, Cindy? Well, thank you. Thanks so much for this. We've long been waiting for such conversations around the vaccine. Sure. Um, number one, I'd like to ask your guest there. Um, I'm a patient who's had a splenectomy, and then every five years uh, I must get the pneumovac, which is the pneumovaccine. Obviously, if you've had a splenectomy, you no longer have a, a spleen. So I'm very skeptical of um, combining my pneumovac with the COVID vac. Is it not going to cause complications for me? That's a, that's a very good good question, Cindy. I mean, it shouldn't cause any complications, but what we generally advise for these things is not to have them at exactly the same time. So if you do your Dumavax again, what we'd recommend is prioritize the COVID vaccine, get the COVID vaccine as soon as you can, and then wait at least a couple of weeks before you get the, the Pneumovax or any other vaccine. And that's the same for people that are trying to get the, that need to get the influenza vaccine. Again, we're recommending don't try and get the vaccines on the same day. Have the COVID vaccine first and then wait a couple of weeks and, and get the influenza vaccine. Um, okay. So that's just, that's just a kind of precaution, just, just so that you're not kind of mixing the vaccines on the same day. And so that if you were to get some side effect or reaction to the vaccine, we would know which one is because we can the two together. But in terms of how it how it how your immune system kind of responds to the vaccine, there's no concern about about taking vaccines against different different pathogens, different mm. viruses and bacteria. Um, your immune system will respond to each of those vaccines and give you protection against these infections. Sure. Cindy and Dr. Lesos, I'm going to ask both of you just to hang 10. It's 11.30. Let me go to Nomsam Duli with the latest news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. And, of course, for our health talk today, we're in conversation with Dr. Richard Lessels. He's taking your questions um, on the COVID-19 vaccine and really any other associated uh, issues that may have been on your mind things that you want clarity about. Um, And we were busy with that call from Cindy in Middleburg. Uh, Cindy, it sounded like you had two questions, so I'm not sure if I'm correct on that. Okay, go for it. Yes, correct. My Mm. second question to your guest is that, um, you know, the 
advocacy of the safety or the side effects of these vaccines haven't been advocated properly to us uh, because people just rushed to go and get the vaccine. And, you know, like he's advising me now regarding my, my situation. Many people just rushed without asking these questions. And uh, I'm sad to say today, I lost four friends after they took the vaccine. And they didn't have COVID. They didn't have any other health or underlying uh, um, illnesses. So um, it's just a matter of my question is now on the, there's what we call the FAERS. I don't know if, if I'm saying it correctly. It's V-A-E-R-S. Why is that? And it's called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System or Recording System. So if there's any adverse events, for instance, death after a vaccine, why are these statistics not given to the public? We, we, we only see the deaths of COVID. Why don't they show us the virus? events which is death related to the vaccine thank mm, you mm. all right cindy and, and dr lessels i think it's going to be important for you just to deal with this issue where we have a number of people who are talking about loved ones who died after receiving the vaccine and you know obviously the the association there is that perhaps they were killed by the vaccine yeah i mean i'm, I'm very sorry to hear cindy's story there of, of her friends or relatives that, that died. As you say, I think this is an important issue. I mean, I think if we go back to where we started at the beginning, talking about the numbers of people that we're vaccinating now, when you're vaccinating quarter of a million people every day across the country, unfortunately, the reality is some of those people um, were going to get sick in the days around the time that they're vaccinated, in the days after that they're vaccinated. Mm. And that may be for things that are completely unrelated to COVID or to, to the vaccine. So, for example, common occurrences like strokes or heart attacks. Some of the people that are vaccinated are just by chance going to have a stroke in the few days after their vaccination or going to have a heart attack. Now, what's important is that you have very strong systems to investigate these things when they happen around the time of the vaccination so that you can get a sense of whether there's any connection between the vaccine and the event that happens. And we're very lucky in South Africa to have, um, like many things, we have very strong systems for doing that. For, for investigating events that happen following immunization. And that's because it's been set up for the kind of childhood immunization program, but it's now being used for, for COVID vaccination. The, what um, Cindy's referring to with the VAERS is actually an American system. So that's a system in the US um, where people can report um, adverse events following immunization. We have a, a different system here, and, and probably your listeners will be aware, or if not, um, we can get the details for you to give out. The, the MedSafety app um, that's run by SAPRA 
And that's where people can report any adverse events that happen following the COVID vaccine. And then the system kicks in to kind of investigate that report. And there are people in each province who are uh, kind of working to investigate all the reports of adverse events. And then you have committees of experts nationally who can assess whether uh, any adverse event seems to be connected to the vaccine or unrelated to the vaccine. So people should be reassured that that system is, is operating in South Africa and is a very strong system. I think I take the point that maybe findings from, from these things should be shared with the public. And I, I have to be honest, I don't know enough about um, uh, the system and, and the extent to which that can be uh, shared. And obviously, mm. it's difficult sharing confidential medical information about about individual cases. Um, but there may be a way that um, there can be some reporting of of the adverse events that are being investigated. Mm, mm. Um, so uh, I think that's, yeah. that's a valid point. Yeah, and, and, and I think what's also raised, you know, the the alarm for uh, a lot of people is SAPRA that has come out to say it is investigating these 28 deaths that are linked to the vaccine. Talk to us a little bit about, about that and, and the category of those deaths that would qualify for such an investigation. Well, I think that's exactly the the, the system that I'm that I've kind of explained to you. Mm. So, I, so I think what I don't know the wording that they've used, but I think that they won't be saying at the moment that's linked to the vaccine. They will be investigating uh, to see whether or not um, it is linked to the vaccine or whether it's unrelated, and so so that will be. Um, involving these committees, so, so the, the the NISEC. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that's the National Immunisation Safety uh, Committee. So that's a kind of committee of experts um, who who can um, assess the evidence around these adverse events mm. and can can kind of make make a decision whether. Um, it looks to be something that's related to the vaccine or unrelated. So, so, um, so, the, and, and that's yeah. a very care, that that has to be a kind of careful process that's mm. done properly and done with the right expertise and and with all the information. So, the fact that they're investigating these deaths should not say to us that it automatically confirms that these people died because of the vaccine. No, exactly. It, it shouldn't alarm us. It should reassure us. It should reassure us that that we have these robust systems in place in South Africa um, to to investigate. And, and many places of don't have such strong systems. And, and so we're fortunate here that we that we do have, um, and that these things can be fully investigated. All right. Okay. So um, we're still in conversation with Dr. Richard Lessels. He is uh, with the KwaZulu Natal Research Innovation and Sequencing Platform. I'm still seeing a lot of your calls on the line. I will come to all of you after this. Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
We continue the conversation with Dr. Richard Lessels. I'm still taking your calls and questions to him. Jimmy, you're calling us from Khubukwane. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Suske. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Look, a vaccine must do the following. Mm. It must provide immunity to the virus, protect the recipients from getting the virus, reduce death, infection circulation, and transmission of the virus. Mm. Right? Now, one question that I want to that I want to ask the the the, the prof there is why did this uh, vaccine skip the animal testing and went straight to the human being? That's question number one. Now, number two, one of the, the reasons why we are so skeptical about taking this virus, I mean, this, this vaccine, uh, I think it was Eldrin Simpia's show, the CEO of Cypher, came on the show and he said, uh, Cypher, it won't be taking responsibility should anything happen after four years. Now I'm talking about the side effects. Mm. Lastly, Okay, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm going to pause you there. I think you've got, you know, quite a few questions. Let, let's give Dr. Richard an opportunity to respond to the first two. Dr. Lessels? Yeah, it, it, thanks, Jimmy. I mean, I mean, you're you're quite right. I mean, I, in, ideally, we want a vaccine to do all those things that you said. We want it to prevent infection, to prevent transmission of the virus, to, to prevent severe disease and death. But as I said earlier, what what we know at the moment is this first generation of vaccines, this first group of vaccines that have been developed, they're very, very good at preventing severe disease and death. And that's what they've been designed for. But they are they are not as good at preventing all infections and, and preventing transmission of the virus. And that's partly because since they've been developed, the virus has changed. The virus has evolved, um, and and it's evolved in a way that um, the vaccines are slightly less effective at preventing infection. And all that means is that we need to continue to develop vaccines, and we need to develop better vaccines that may be able to do better at preventing infection and preventing transmission of the virus. But at the moment, the priority is to get vaccines into enough people to prevent severe disease and death. And and that is the priority of the vaccination program. I think that the the, the point you're trying to make about um, kind of animal testing the vaccines have been tested on on animals in 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 kind of the normal studies that would be done but i think what you saw with the vaccine development was clearly there was a need for um the rapid development of vaccines because lots and lots of people were dying all around the world and so the process of developing and testing the vaccine mm. uh, was uh, much quicker than than we've seen previously for for other infections but that was because there was a need for that and it was because people came together the scientific community um came together to do that at speed and that's something that we should be celebrating and 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 something we should be 
proud of and, and proud of here in South Africa that that we were part of that, that people took part in the clinical trials, in, in testing of these vaccines. So 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 was it a disadvantage? No, not not at all, mm. because these vaccines are saving lives all around the world um, as, as we speak. Um, and, and, and it's a tremendous achievement um, that, that uh, we were able to develop these vaccines and, and get them into, into people's arms. Of course, we would want it to be even quicker. And, and next time, mm. the, the next pandemic, we want it to be even quicker. We want to have vaccines within a, a few weeks, ideally. Um, and, and we've learned a lot during this process. Um, if I can come back, because I, I, I think one of the points Jimmy was making was also about the lack of long-term safety data. Mm. And, and, and this is a common thing that's coming up at the moment, that, that people are concerned, partly because of the speed of development, as Jimmy says, but, but also just that we don't have, we don't know these vaccines are, might have side effects um, months after taking it. But this is a bit of a, a misunderstanding about, about vaccines. It, it would be extremely unusual and extremely unlikely for, a, for a, an, a, an adverse event, a side effect, to, to appear a few months after a vaccine. A vaccine, as you know, is a, is a one-off or a, or a two-dose thing. And it elicits a, a reaction of your immune system Im immediately. And so most of the side effects that we see from vaccines happen in the few weeks after receiving either the first dose or, or, the, or the second dose. It's much, much likely, and we don't really see it with any vaccines, that you get a kind of late effect months or years later. Mm. That's something that we're much more used to with drugs, where you're taking a drug regularly and taking it every day. And sometimes with drugs, you get these strange reactions that might come on a year or two after you've started taking it. But that's very different from a vaccine where you've only had one or two doses. And so it... It's a kind of common misinformation, and it's something that's kind of taken up a lot by the people who are against vaccines. They they, they push this line that we don't have long-term safety data and, and, and you shouldn't take the vaccine because of that. But it's really not a... It's not a strong argument. All right. Okay. Let me quickly take Takatayo in Cape Town. Hello. Thank you, Katie, and the professor. Sorry that you've been holding for so long. Go for it. Thank you, thank you, Katie. Welcome. And, uh, Professor, uh, there's one thing that I want to ask. Uh, professor, uh, according to the experience of the people, we had the other vaccines before, polio and other things that affected us before. And those vaccines, they worked uh, accurately, and people, they never experienced those polio and other diseases that we had before. But this one now, it is worth maybe 50%. And there is also fatality after people being vaccinated. Don't you think, Doc, maybe you just are pressurized by the death of the people and make something that is really not uh, 
uh, accurate to the people because really now, if I am going to vaccinate maybe twice or, 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 or thrice and still uh, can't get a cure from the from from, from the from the, the from the coronavirus, what is the use talk of maybe the Department of Education to force the teachers to go and vaccinate? Knowing that even after you vaccinated, you still come to use your mask. You 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 can be also get infected by this virus. So I, that's my question. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I Takataya, thanks. I mean, it, it, it's a kind of similar question that you're that you're asking. They're kind of saying, why are we using these vaccines if if they're not 100% effective? But the reality is that that no vaccine is 100% effective. I think that you've again listed kind of some of the different types of vaccine for different types of infections, um, but. What we know from respiratory viruses, so if you take the influenza, for example, and the influenza vaccine, that is not 100% effective. It doesn't stop all uh, people getting infected with influenza. Um, what it does is it reduces the amount of severe disease and death from influenza. And that's the purpose of why we give influenza vaccine every year. And we give it particularly to people um, who are vulnerable and who are at high risk of death. And that's a, a similar situation to, to what we're seeing now with, with COVID. We have vaccines that are very effective at preventing severe disease and preventing death. Um, but they won't prevent all infections and they won't prevent all the all the spread of the virus um and that and that just challenges us in a way that we have to know why we're using these vaccines and and what we expect of the vaccines we shouldn't expect too much all right okay thank you so much for that Takatayo. i hope that answers your question Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Sure, no problem. Susan, in Soweto. Hello, Susan. Uh, hi, Likai. Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you. The first time that I'm talking to you, I'm so glad. <laughs> so am I. So am I. I'm glad that you picked up the phone and you called in. Yeah, I've got the 011 and I, 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 I hired to 011. I like it very much. Okay. I, I need you to use it more often, though. Yes, yeah, for especially for companies and all that because they are all one one. All right, Ma, what's your question? My question is this: uh, uh, it's about the the, uh, the 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 flu injection. Okay, uh, I I had it last year, mm. and then when I went to ask for it earlier this year, they said no, they hadn't got it. But in May, I had such a, a severe flu. Really, so, yeah, yeah, it was an flu. <laughs> and, and I stayed uh, in my bed for three weeks. Mm. And I went to the doctor and they helped me. I had some medication from the chemist, so I was fine. So my, and then now I have, I've had my, 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 my COVID vaccine the, the twice now already. I've had it. So, and I'm okay. So the thing is, do I, uh, do I or am I going to have the flu injection or am I, is, it, is it okay for me to have the flu injection? Okay, great, 
question, Susan, and well done for getting your COVID vaccine and, and, and both the jabs. That's great. So I think if I understood correctly, you're just asking whether it's a good idea for you still to get the influenza vaccine now. And, and I, I would. And I think as long as you've, you've kind of left it a couple of weeks from your from the second dose of your your COVID vaccine, you can go and get get your flu vaccine now. One thing that we've seen actually throughout this, the, the COVID pandemic is we've seen much less influenza than we would normally see. And that's partly just because there's much less international travel um, and all the measures we're taking to kind of prevent COVID mm-hmm. are also preventing spread of flu. So we see much less of it. But we don't, we can't be sure that we're not going to see a spike of influenza at some stage. And so definitely people that are in the categories that would normally get influenza vaccine, they should they should go and get the vaccine. But as I said earlier on, good idea to prioritize the COVID vaccine first, because that's the bigger risk to you at the, at the moment. Um, and then after after weeks get the vaccine okay. and I think as, 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 as she said there, there may have been a supply issue initially um, but hopefully that's, that's sorted now and the vaccine is available for people mm, okay alright thanks for that thanks mum um, Susan thanks for calling in oh I'm so glad <laughs> thank you bye alright bye bye <laughs> uh, let me go to Mpumalanga Anonymous hello uh, morning to you Kathy yes uh, as pertaining to hesitancy, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk to this issue as to say we are having other, like, it's, it's been referred to as misinformation, but it's not exactly misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, some of us, we are, we, are, we are having access to experts that have been in the field for the longest of time, and it's just that somehow, I don't know why, big technology companies decided to block these people out, to deplatform them and things like that. But it's not like you are getting, let's say, a screenshot of a quotation there or a picture or something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are listening to interviews of doctors, experts, professors that somehow are not getting uh, their voice through the mainstream media and that uh, have been, uh, let's say, giving us warnings as to this uh, current vaccine as to what could be the potential dangers of it. And then as pertaining to the informed consent né, under this uh, Nuremberg Code, is this Nuremberg Code applicable to South African context as well? Is it, is it an international law or what, what, what is it? Because uh, I'm worried, I feel like uh, the public are not being uh, made aware as to say there should be an informed consent. People must be informed well in advance of both the risks and the benefits of this uh, jab. And from there, take their own uh, decision as to say they are going to partake in. Mm-hmm. Not this kind of cohesion that, because uh, as to say this thing of saying like uh, vaccine passport and things, that is a you know, a subtle way of uh, cohesion, actually. So it flows over the codes of the Nuremberg Code and all this kind of things. I don't know if the professor can 
Thanks for those things. Thanks. All right. All right. Anonymous, thanks for that. Uh, Dr. Lessels? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen some of this stuff. I, I don't know where this, this, this mention of the Nuremberg Code has come from recently. I've seen some of that on, on social media, and that, that's a little bit confusing. I mean, I think, I, as, as Anonymous said, I think um, that we are getting into an area where um, there's talk of um, vaccine passports and other things that, that may be, uh, kind of, in a way, encouraging people to, to, to get vaccinated. Mm. But what's critical is that th- there is informed consent at every step of this process. So at the moment, nobody is forced to take the vaccine. It's an individual choice, and people must be informed and must take that decision whether or not they want the vaccine. And we hope that the vast majority of people when they are informed, will decide to take the vaccine for their own benefit, for the benefit of their families, their communities. But there will be some that will decide not to, and, and, and that's, that's okay, it, as long as that's an, a, a properly informed decision. So that is happening, and, and it's the same with any medical treatment. People that um, are offered medical treatment for any, anything they they have to make an in, uh, informed decision about whether they want that treatment and, and it's the same with this vaccine and really what we're doing today and, and and what everybody else is trying to do is to do that bit of informing is to get the right information out there so that hopefully the vast majority of people mm. see that the benefits of these vaccines far outweigh any risk uh, or any potential risks. And and that's the critical thing, really, is nobody's saying that there aren't any risks, that there's zero risks from the vaccines. But what we're saying is the risks of getting COVID are so big that the benefits of taking this vaccine for yourself, for your family, for mm. your community, far outweighs that risk if you balance the risks and the benefits. All right. And that's that's what we're trying to get the information to people, so mm. so that um, people can can make that decision for themselves. And what we're seeing with a quarter of a million people being vaccinated every day is that lots and lots of people are making that informed decision to take the vaccine, and and that's very encouraging. Dr. Richard Lessels, let's leave it there for today. Let me thank you so much for coming on to the show and for all of you for participating. All of the questions that were sent in, apologies that we weren't able to reach everyone, but uh, I hope that it certainly has helped to answer some of the questions that may have been on your mind. It's midday. Sakina Kamwendo is up next with the update at noon.